0: Best wrestling in the whole world! Oh shit! It's Vince Russo! Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold your horses there,
1: uh. Mr. Nerd, is it? That's it. Welcome, everybody, to You've Got to Be Kidding Me episode number seven from December 2002. My name is Garrett Kidney, and I'm joined, as always, by my lovely, wonderful co host, Liam Jones. Liam, hello. I thought you were gonna call me your wife then. Listen, if you wanna be, I wouldn't object. <laughs> We're we're podcasting husband and wife. You are my podcasting wife. (laughs) Great. I do speak into a microphone to you for, on average, like four hours a week, so... Funnily enough,
0: it's less than like it was in our proto-years of us talking to each other when we would speak literally eight hours straight a day playing Overwatch with people. Like, we did some very, very long TEW sessions. (laughs) When I was living on campus at university... And there was, like, no reason for me to be up the next day. And it would literally go from, like, 10 to 5 a.m. <laughs> we booked, like, ho- like two years worth of TEW in a single night. <laughs> Even, like, and people who play TEW will know how, like, fucking ridiculous this is. We would do um, WWE brands and having, you know, two shows a week that were two hours long and then a pay-per-view. And we'd get through, like, four months in one session. <laughs>
1: You gotta have the very deep attention to detail, you know, my Terry Funk death angle and the McFoley redemption thing, all of that stuff, very important.
0: What was our stables that we had?
1: Oh, you had the evolution that had like Sean O'Hare and Chuck Palumbo. Wasn't it called Game Time? It was called Game Time, yes.
0: It was Game Time and it was Triple H... Oh, fuck, who was in Game Time?
1: I think it was Randy O'Hare and Palumbo.
0: Palumbo, yeah, because Palumbo was a big part of Game Time. I think there was someone else too, but I can't remember. And then you had Team Shrek.
1: Oh, I forgot about Shrek. Yeah,
0: because I remember what we did, but um, we did uh, our Survivor Series, and we had five. We did our. We met. We were so ecstatic that we got to do a five v five Survivor Series match with our two big heel
1: stables. Uh, for people wondering, Shrek is Shelton, Haas, um, Rhino, and Kurt. Team Shrek.
0: <laughs> yeah, did you have Edge in there too to be the Eck?
1: I think I did at one stage, so yeah, yeah. Full, full somebody once told me the world is gonna roll me, I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed.
0: I think it was, like, world-class tag team Rhino. Oh, yeah,
1: it, it had Christian, yeah, so it had all the yeah, letters of Sh- Shrek. because
0: it literally spelled out Shrek.
1: It had more letters than Shrek has.
0: See, that's the thing, because I think, I was pretty sure I had, um, whatever the equivalent amount of people was on mine as well, because we did the full thing, but I can't remember who, was, who else was in game time. I have all the, the photos on my laptop somewhere, I should go through and see if I can find them. <laughs>
1: Our old booking notes. I still have the, I think, notepad I booked those shows on when I wrote down my shows. So I'll pro- also mm. probably still have that.
0: Rest in peace, that save. That save was good. That was like a three-year save. And
1: we had our, uh, our superstar shake-ups. Yeah, you, you basically cancelled the file when you lost the brand split. <laughs>
0: No, okay, you played like a little bitch, first of all, like, that's what I'm saying right now. We have the rule where it's like, oh, your champions can't be drafted, then you'd purposely just stack up all of your champions with guys you didn't want to lose.
1: Yeah, I put the tag belts on Randy and Kurt, so that you
0: couldn't draft them. Yeah, and then you, and you, like, <laughs> and you know what it was? I was fine with it, until, on the draft, the guy that I had brought up from fucking nothing, I made Eddie into a fucking star, and then boom, you just took Eddie. Mm. I spent a full year with Eddie, redeeming him from how you treated him. <laughs> and you just came in and took it away from me. Hey, it was a random draft. I don't think I even picked Eddie, did I? That's why I think I was mad, too. It was randomly <laughs> got Eddie. I remember like there was a big moment in our last year where um, Triple H, who had been like the ace of my brand for two years, got, went over the yours, and it was very weird.
1: I was thinking, we, for the Patreon, we should do a draft of each year of TNA when we're, we're done. So we'll put all Ooh. the talent who appeared in 2002 TNA into a single game, and then we'll draft our rosters, maybe book a show, and then people can vote on who's better.
0: All right. Well, we can even do it, like, just outside of the game and just do it like, um, how the wonderful and Marcus A drafts are, where we just, like, fantasy book it outside of the game and do the draft outside of the game.
1: Hmm. yeah. So people can decide that I'm a much better TNA booker than you are.
0: It's gonna be really embarrassing if you lose,
1: huh? It's like <laughs> your whole thing. I guess it's my thing now, too. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I've inflicted this on you. You're a TNA guy now.
0: I guess I'm a TNA guy now. Jesus. <laughs> Actually, no. If anything, from this month, uh, I'm a sports entertainment extreme guy. And I know you want to use that as a wonderful segue into the stuff, but <laughs> you're not going to let make me. note that this is, of course, our 500 follower show, guys.
1: I think the more important note is that the podcast Twitter has officially <laughs> no, overtaken your personal Twitter. <laughs>
0: I tried to make it a fun thing and then you <laughs> brought it down into the depths of depression again.
1: And it's, it's dramatically overtaken because your personal Twitter is on 485. The podcast Twitter is now up to wait, No, wait. You,
0: you did not have to say it like
1: 485. <laughs> <laughs> the meager, small, tiny number of 485 followers.
0: Uh, I mean, it's a pain, but I understand it. Like, you know, just tweet GIFs and videos. It really works, guys
1: yeah especially if you find like a little niche that people aren't serving like mine was tna like people weren't doing tna clips so i would post tna clips and they would do really well and now it's it's not even like the thing people know me for anymore on the internet which is kind yeah, now of now they weird. know
0: you as the the guy who hates WWE. <laughs> yes
1: which in fairness is a personality i'm equally on board with so
0: mm. that's the thing is though if i just stuck to joshi i feel like i'd do way better because all my joshi tweets bang <laughs>
1: I do find it interesting how there are people on the internet who have never met me, never talked to me, do not know me, but who hate my guts because I think WWE is terrible. (laughs) Like, viscerally detest me. Because there's some people who's like, another shit take from Garrett Kidney, and I'm like, I don't even know who you are.
0: (laughs) You've gone to that stage now where it's just... But the real thing will be like, if one of your tweets get, like, sent to me from someone who doesn't know about the connection at all, that'll be, like, the, the moment.
1: Oh, that, that actually happened to me with a college friend recently, where he just DM'd me on Twitter. I haven't talked to him in years, and he's just like, oh, one of your tweets popped up in my Reddit feed. <laughs> it's like, what? <sighs>
0: <sighs> Shoutouts to the Reddit. We love the Reddit.
1: Yes. I wonder, I don't think the Reddit have ever mentioned our podcast, so Do we love the they Reddit? They mentioned Wednesday War Games. <laughs> well, they probably hated our NXT takes.
0: Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, first of all, they thought we were John Rich, which was very funny at the start, and because we sound exactly like them. Mm. And, and then it was really funny because the first, like the the original post was like, "Oh man, these guys always shit on NXT and love AEW." And then one of the ones in the comments was like, "Oh man, I hate these guys. They always talk about NXT being great and shit on AEW." <laughs> and I was like, oh, "Wait a minute,
1: <laughs> we can never win." It's in the same thread. <laughs> Uh, and who, listen, we, we are now a week before NXT is rebranded, so who was right here?
0: Yeah, we're gonna start covering the new NXT,
1: obviously. NXT 2.0, baby. They're actually calling it NXT 2.0, even though it should be three, Re- 3.0. Really? Yeah, they they said like- NXT 2.0 on SmackDown.
0: That's really funny.
1: Which means they're bringing back EverRise.
0: <laughs> they wish they could. Hmm. Did you see the the media scrums where, like, someone was like, oh, you know, Cole's the first big NXT poach, and Tony's like, how dare you? Put some respect on 2.0's name. Hey, what about Tecante? Hey, I'm saying you didn't jump in for Tecante's defence.
1: Yeah. So can I finally be a segue?
0: I mean, if I've done eight minutes, <laughs> you, might, <laughs> you might as well move on to something related. Like, I, I keep forgetting that, like, you know, this is a, a real deal podcast now. <laughs> like, it's not just... Talk 30 minutes about Gamescom, and then we (laughs) go into our NXT thoughts for 5 minutes anymore.
1: Listen, if you want to talk about Gamescom, you can talk about Gamescom. Do you have anything to say about Gamescom?
0: Um, the PlayStation uh, stream was, like, the best one in a while.
1: It would be nice if they showed any of the games that looked good.
0: (laughs) I mean, I'm, I'm equally as happy with something like that Wolverine announcement, because, like, it's Insomniac, and it's gonna be good regardless.
1: Yeah, but it's going to be, like, three years away. Like, it's the thing PlayStation... And it works for them, so I understand why they do it. But they did this in, like, 2015 as well, where they're like, oh, we're doing God of War, we're doing The Last Guardian, we're doing all these games. And then, like, every showcase for the next four years are those same, like, five games on a loop. Mm. And it's going to be the same thing now. It's, like, the next showcase is just going to be... And now we have another um, update on Insomniac's Wolverine. And also Devil May Cry 6... <laughs> Hey, that's an Xbox reveal. That's, don't Xbox usually have the DMC marketing?
0: They they had it from DMC5.
1: <laughs> yeah, so uh, if you're going to get an, a, a freaking DMC reveal, it's probably going to be from one the wonderful Phil Spencer.
0: I got some beef with PlayStation.
1: Oh, go on. Do you have a PS5? Are you trying to get a PS5?
0: Um, if we get enough Patreon subscribers, I'll get myself a PS5.
1: <laughs> Patreon.com slash kiddingme, or if you'd prefer com, get to the same yes. place. <laughs> if you would like to subscribe on Patreon to help Liam buy a PS5.
0: Yeah, please, I, I really need it. No, uh, my main gripe with them right now is I tried the PlayStation Now service, right? Mm-hmm. It didn't work at all. It mm. wouldn't even let me log in to the app.
1: That's the streaming thing, isn't it?
0: Yeah. Uh, and it's like, I would have liked to have done that because there's a lot of PlayStation games I would like to actually play, but can't because I don't have a TV.
1: So I assume your internet's not good enough for it?
0: No, it's not the internet. It's the app.
1: Oh, it just doesn't work? It just doesn't work. Nice.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, the reason I wanted to go on the the PlayStation Now service is because I wanted to play the first God of War that I never got around to. I see the, the first of the remake. Yeah, I
1: was gonna say 2018 instead of like the 2003 game.
0: Yeah, I played the original and three, but yeah, because all I have seen from that game really is that first boss fight, mm-hmm. and that looked sweet. So I was like, if that game is more of that, then I should give that a shot.
1: I think that's about as far as I did play in that game. A little further, I went past the first boss fight, but I'll get to it.
0: It's and especially since like you know now that game is like an eight dollar game. I might as well try and track it down at some point. But yeah,
1: can't play it uh, on the PlayStation now, so... I'm pretty sure it's in the PS Plus thing on PS5, isn't it? The PlayStation Collection deal? Isn't God of War in that? Probably. Feels like it should be, if it's not.
0: I don't have a PS5, so I can't confirm nor deny.
1: I haven't turned my PS5 on in like three months.
0: You should send it to me so I can play God of War, then I'll send it back. (laughs)
1: All right, we'll get into things. We are talking about TNA in December 2002, the final month of 2002, of course. It's the so end of the year. We're wrapping up the year, indeed. So there's actually not a ton of notes from this month, I'd imagine, because it's December and nothing's happening. So they're just going through the motions. So there's a couple small things, but there's not a, a there's not like a big story to cover this month, which is almost kind of refreshing that they're settled into the. Now we're just the company running shows. There's not like a the the company's on the verge of going out of business or being bought out or some stupid big nonsense going on this month.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say like I feel like we're gonna not have these big two and a half hour <laughs> marathon podcast anymore, but. I, I said that and then we had a show that had two weeks of TV uh, TV, and we were like, oh, two hours still.
1: Yeah, uh, it is worth noting there is only three weekly pay-per-views this month because the Wednesdays would have fallen on Christmas Day and New Year's Day and TNA aren't monsters, so they gave everybody the day off. So there's only shows on December 4th, 11th, and 18th before they take the 25th off for Christmas.
0: I hope... Uh on the first show of January, Russo comes out and he's like, the TNA office, they didn't want to pay them on Christmas and they didn't want to pay them on New Year's, so they're about to fuck...
1: There was actually a story in PW Torch about how like there is some issues with being paid because it used to be that they got paid on the night that they worked. When they they changed that to you, you would get paid on the following show that you would get your know, pay for the show you last did. When you get, what to if the you next went show. booked for the following show? That's another issue. But like the <laughs> the, the, the issue here being everyone who worked the December eighteenth show is like, wait a minute, if we're getting paid in the following show, that's not until like the second week of January. So, mm. and this is probably like. A lot of these guys' best paydays, too. Yeah, so they were like, hey, mail out our checks.
0: <laughs> and we said, N- no. <laughs>
1: <laughs> You'll get your money in January. Uh, yeah, they launched a new logo, which you would have seen on the show. Uh, it's actually not prominently featured on the show until January because they incorporated it into an angle we'll talk about getting rid of the old logos. But yeah, they, the red and gold logo that I know you love so much.
0: It's the best logo in wrestling history. I'm so happy to see it. In fact, I went and watched, like, the first 30 minutes of the first January show already. And I'm like, I'm all in. I love this show. Just from this new aesthetic, I I have fallen in love with the show now. <laughs> Just from the logo? <laughs> it's perfect. Like, this, that, the, it, the, come on. You have to recognize this. This is, it's such, like, a perfect
1: wrestling look. I don't think that's my favorite version of the red logo, though.
0: Yeah, that I also think that's fair. Because there's, like, the one that has the way more, like, yellow in it. That I'm thinking of, too. That's probably the best version of it, but, like, this is... This is, this is the reason I like DNA. This
1: damn logo. <laughs> they finally gotten rid of the old-school NWA blocky letters. You know Russo hated
0: that logo, right?
1: Yeah, well, he did tear it down with an axe, so...
0: <laughs> but, yeah, we got a nice little Easter egg for the new logo on these shows where you can see it on posters in the background.
1: Yeah, and it is weird that they launched the new website with the new logo because the big thing was that the the people who made the logo were actually suing the company, which we mentioned a couple of weeks ago. (laughs) So that's the reason they wanted to change the logo. There was a story about how they weren't doing much merchandise at the time. AJ Styles was the only person who had a t-shirt because they were afraid of putting their logo on the t-shirt and then being sued. Mm. So that's a a big reason why they weren't doing much merch. That's the reason they changed their logo only six months in because they were in a lawsuit over the current one. So might as well move on to a new one.
0: And what a one they moved on to!
1: Yes, the what would be the the, the defining TNA logo that red color scheme.
0: Mm. And uh, you know, I think it's just and I mean it's not. This isn't fucking the best analysis in the world, but it's like there's it an X in it too because of the X division being the main prominent thing of this company, huh? <laughs> whoa!
1: It's like when the Impact logo has six sides dotting the eyes. It's like whoa! Mm. It's, a it's A little detail. that one's a little less um, subtle. <laughs> Or it's like when the poster for this episode of You've Got to Be Kidding Me is a little go red go coming out of Don West's mouth. These are the touches, Liam.
0: Wow. <laughs> you
1: really had to give that one to him, didn't you? Yeah, it's just putting over the poster. If you'd like to see the poster, it's on either my Twitter or the podcast. The posters Twitter. are so good. They're the best thing about the show, honestly. We should release them as actual posters. <laughs> yeah, we should sell them on Patreon. There is a Patreon tier where you can, like, they do posters for you. We might actually do that. We'll see. Can I just do them for me? (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you want to print it and put it in a a frame, you can.
0: No, don't tell them that. Don't tell them that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, yes, new logo, new website. Listen, there's going to be, for the next probably like eight months of this podcast, a lot of Vince Russo talk. It's Mm -hmm. unavoidable. Not only is he the main backstage presence, he is now also all over these shows. So I apologize in advance for how Vince Russo heavy this show is going to be and how Vince Russo-heavy pretty much every show is going to be for a while now, that's just the nature of 2003 TNA. I'm sorry.
0: You know what the joy in this is, though? You guys only have to listen to, like, eight episodes of it. Mm. We have to watch, I don't know, (laughs) like a... uh,
1: Like like 40? (laughs) Yeah, 40 weekly pay-per-views heavily featuring Vince Russo.
0: Yeah, but to be fair, like, you know, the the on-screen Russo stuff is probably more tolerable. I can't even say that because like
1: so far I think that, but I don't know what's yet to come. <laughs> There's also some really bad stuff with Vince Russo this month. So hell yeah, let's go. Yeah, it's the nature of the beast because I was doing broad topics for the show and I realized looking at these cards that there is like a gravitational force for Vince Russo on the show. Like pretty much everything is slowly sucked into that sex orbit <laughs> as it tends to be. <laughs> <laughs> the sex orbit. The sex orbit, indeed, as as more and more of everything that happens outside of, like, the main event programs become increasingly influenced by sports entertainment extreme. So it, it will be unavoidable. There's going to be a lot of Vince Russo on this podcast for a while. I'm sorry. Again, blame them for doing it freaking 18 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so TNA officials continue to claim that Vince Russo is not involved in the creative process, but simply works as an on-air character. The company claims that Russo has not been involved in booking matters since the company went on a three-week hiatus in September. Now, if you remember, the last note we had in on the November episode was a note from Jerry Jarrett in his book about how a lot of the content on the first episode of TNA in December, the December 4th episode, was particularly influenced by Jeff or Jeff Jarrett and Vince Russo. So we know from Jerry's book that like this is all just a Bullface lie and it's been a lie the entire time since before the company existed and they're still doing this dance it's like oh he doesn't work for us well he does work for us but he's only on air but he doesn't have any creative capacity but here we are again in December with them denying it again
0: well it's like what we said on the last episode and what And also talking about the stuff um, which got them kicked off Spike, if this guy is someone you have to lie to everyone about being in creative control, then there's probably a sign there that this guy shouldn't be involved in the creative.
1: Yeah, and like the the follow-up note, it's like, nobody in the company knows what to believe since the Jarrett's willingly deceived them for the sake of a storyline when Russo returned as Mr. Wrestling 3. So they may still be deceiving people in order to avoid the baggage that Russo brings with them. There are several wrestlers and personalities who refuse to participate in anything that Russo has creative influence over. And there is another note uh, in the Torch later that mm-hmm. month about how, like, the wrestlers just don't trust management anymore because they keep on lying to them about Vince Russo.
0: Which I feel like is a commonality that we're going to see throughout, like, the entire history of this company until, like, the more recent iterations, you know what I mean? Where it's, it feels a lot like there was just never an environment of trust backstage. It's something that we can see at this point. It's something that we'll see over the next year. And it's something that we'll even see in, uh, that we're seeing in the 2010 shows that we're watching on Patreon.
1: And it's, I think, by design in some element, because it's like, oh, we can work the boys, we can do these work shoots, for, oh, got such great content, and like...
0: It's, it's so nothing, though, there's no point to working the boys.
1: No, there never is. It never goes anywhere other than making people feel unhappy and, like, unsafe at work, really.
0: And especially
1: in a business that's so
0: thoroughly based around trust, and trusting the people in the back with your body, with your livelihood. Mm. It it, it just, it feels so counterintuitive to the whole ethos of what wrestling should be.
1: There's another fun note. The TNA auction lists uh, for sale a day working with Vince Russo on production. (laughs) This, despite the fact, of course, that they're saying he is only an on-air character.
0: (laughs) Coming soon to the, you got to be kidding me, auction. working uh, working with Garrett in production, where you get to edit the show for us.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll sit here while you do all the work of editing our two hours into a tight, pithy one hour forty.
0: If you pick the right week, uh, you can also do the watch
1: along with us. <laughs> yeah, you can sit down and watch uh, the January 22nd episode, which is the watch along we'll do for next month, or the, the December uh, 18th episode, which is the one we did the watch along for on this uh, week, which you can find at tnhr.com.
0: Well, you can't be with us on that one, but in spirit you can. You can talk along with us, I suppose. <laughs> so I can. guess that's the whole thing you can do.
1: Listen, I paid for TNAChad.com. I'm now going to start using it for the Patreon plugs forever. Of course. Because Chad did make a return on these shows. I'm, I am I'm not convinced it's the same Chad. It's 100% the same Chad. He just has mm. facial hair.
0: This is an ultimate warrior scenario. The original TNA Chad died and was replaced.
1: <laughs> he did go missing for, like, the bones mm. of two months. I'm
0: saying, he, he started talking to that girl. <laughs> I'm saying they ran off and they realized, oh, we can't have a bloody NWA TNA pay-per-view without TNA Chad and <laughs> the fucking thing, so we have to go send out proto-Chad over here.
1: It's just Chad, it's evil Chad, because he has facial hair, that's the way the world works, isn't it?
0: Dun-dun-dun.
1: It's Chad's evil twin. I
0: don't know, I don't know if Chad was a a lawful good force <laughs> that's in, in the world already,
1: so... Wait, what if this is good Chad, then?
0: <gasps> this might be good Chad.
1: So TNA workers are hoping Jeff Jarrett is able to talk Sting into working some TNA dates because uh, one of these shows opened with uh, Jarrett going on his WBA tour. You were surprised there's like some brief highlights of Sting wrestling on those WBA shows on one of these shows, isn't there?
0: Yeah, I was, I was thoroughly confused and then uh, extremely excited to note that this is Sting's first <laughs> TNA appearance in history.
1: <laughs> yes, in B-roll in passing, Sting technically made his debut this month too. <laughs>
0: See, I, I have like zero knowledge of what Sting did between the closure of WCW and showing up in TNA.
1: Well, now you know he did some uh, World Wrestling All-Star shows where he wrestled Jeff Jarrett. Wow. I'm
0: going to go track him down.
1: See, so, yeah, they're hopeful they can get Sting at some stage, a story we will continue to monitor into 2003. I don't think
0: that's going to happen. Oh, don't you? Nah, I don't think Sting's ever going to show up. <laughs> ever. Yeah, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put some money down on that one.
1: Uh, in a Jeff Jarrett radio interview, he defended lying about Russo's involvement in the company to everybody <laughs> because wrestling needs more realism in its storylines. Does it? That's This is always my problem with the workshoot stuff. Because you're basically admitting that you are so bad and so terrible at telling, like, coherent stories that you basically have to fake real stuff to get by. Like, you can't get people to invest in your product by telling, like, a good emotional story, a work of fiction, that you have to desperately cling to, like, the real stuff that's happening in the world to get any drama in your show.
0: But also, like, there's a difference between hey, we're gonna hide Russo out back so he comes out and it's a big surprise and no one knows about it, and hey, he's also gonna book the show while he's doing it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And we're going to tell you he's not booking the show as well.
0: Yeah, like, I have no problem with hiding someone to do a surprise. Mm. That's wrestling. Like, AEW just did it with fucking Danielson. Like, you think I care about, like, that's fine. But, like, the idea of also lying about someone's involvement with the company at the same time is just kind of gross. It's
1: like, yeah, Brian Danielson's here, but he's also being booked by Vince McMahon still. But we're not going to tell you, so. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's like, yeah, Danielson's here and he's a big surprise, woohoo, but uh, he's also booking Elevation. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Which, to be fair, I don't think you'd want to hide, because I think people would be interested in Danielson booking Elevation.
0: <laughs> well, it wasn't like um, he like heavily instrumental in SmackDown's booking over the last year or whatever?
1: I think heavily instrumental is probably putting it a little too generously. I think he was involved in some way in he SmackDown He was in booking. the meetings. Yeah,
0: so. That's cool. I'm pretty sure Danielson not working in the NWA TNA,
1: though. No, he never did, despite, as we mentioned, there were those little rumblings that, oh, they're looking at bringing in American Dragon for the X Division, but it never happened.
0: Alternative uh, reality, huh? Where, like, their guy was
1: Danielson instead of AJ? Well, AJ was always going to be the guy. It's too late. And he got that contract day one. Yeah, but he, it could have been AJ Danielson again instead of AJ Joe, I guess.
0: But Joe does, I don't even know what GHO comes in, to be honest.
1: Well, you're going to be waiting a while.
0: Aww...
1: Uh, back to that Jared interview, he compared the Russo surprise to Austin versus McMahon and when Hall and Nash invaded WCW. He said he loved Tanay's reaction to Russo's return. He said Tanay really dislikes Russo and called it great realism. It's not
0: great realism,
1: it's real. <laughs> yeah, he does actually dislike the man. <laughs>
0: Oh shit, it's Vince Russo.
1: The Jarrett and Sean Waltman saga continues. Jarrett and Sean Waltman had further discussions about Waltman returning for one final match and co- to cut a promo against Vince Russo. Like this is the thing. Like Waltman is legitimately upset about Vince Russo being creatively involved in the show, so he quit. And like at the end of November, the company released a statement being like, He was unprofessional, we're never working with him again. And then Waltman released a, sta- a statement being like nah, fuck them, I hate Vince Russo. (laughs) So their instinct, again, is still to be like, we need to get Waltman in, it'll be such a good promo, it'll be such good realism, quote-unquote, for him to finally come in and cut this promo, whereas apparently Waltman wasn't interested in expressing his honest disdain for Russo if that meant him helping get over in the current storyline. So he didn't want to get Russo over because he doesn't like the man. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. I I honestly respect uh,
0: Waltman for sticking to his guns, because he could have just come back for the money and done the shot, you know?
1: Yeah, I, I was wrong last week when I said it, it was 2005 when he last returned. He did do a one-shot, no three. So, it, it, it's like six months down the line, so it's nowhere near this and very little to do with Russo. But yeah, he doesn't return... Well, he basically never returns full-time to the company, I guess, but doesn't return consistently to the uh, company. Excuse
0: me, he won his contract in 2010. I... Been watching.
1: Yeah, my sincere apologies, yes. But the 2005 is when he makes his consistent return. Uh, later in the month again, the company's also expressed interest in working with Sean Waltman again, but no deal has been reached. Waltman wanted to get in with New Japan, even though that never happened, but apparently he was tight with the office, but apparently not that tight.
0: Hey, yeah, he's, uh, he's a friend, but he's, he's, not, he's not getting the invite over, you know.
1: No. He would, like, who was in 2002 New Japan? Who would he been working with? Liger. <laughs> hey, Waltman and Liger would have been a good match.
0: I mean, maybe Otani. I don't know. Uh, This is the era of New Japan I am not the most well-versed in.
1: But it does fascinate me. As I said, they released that statement at at the end of November being like, we don't want to work with them anymore. We hate them. And then, like, before, like, we'll talk about it later, but Jared kind of buries them on one of these shows. But then the entire month, they're just like, Oh, we want to get him back. We really want to get him back so we can cut this promo on Vince Russo. It'll be good shit. I don't even think it would have been
0: that good as shit, you know?
1: <laughs> no, it would have been the same. Because the whole idea was to get like guest people coming in every week to cut this promo on Russo, like Piper does it in the show, which we'll talk about. But the whole idea was to get multiple people in to talk about how they really hated Vince Russo. And it would be shoot promos every week with people talking from the heart.
0: Great. That's the content
1: I love to see on my total non-stop action. Yes, indeed. All the talking and shooting. Chris Ball was backstage at the pay-per-view uh, for the first time in several weeks. They're cutting costs. He's apparently trying to sell the show to a major network. Fun little note, Jerry Jarrett was apparently extremely frustrated with how tight the budget was, which a lot of people noted that Jerry Jarrett has been famously tight with budgets of wrestling companies he's run through the years, so she was on the other foot.
0: Yeah, well, you know, it's not his money anymore. Of course he's going to try and get more budget. (laughs) Yeah, he's
1: spending Panda's money, so it's just like...
0: I mean, isn't that literally what you'd be doing? Like, I don't (laughs) have to,
1: like, front the bill for this. I'm obviously going to try and get more money for the show. Yeah, that's a very good point. It's like, it's not out of my pocket anymore, so of course I'm going to push to try and get Goldberg money.
0: Yeah, well, why wouldn't you? That's just business.
1: Yeah. TNA officials have expressed interest in using Mike Awesome. Fuck yes! So you can look forward to that. (laughs) hope so. BG James apologized for his gay slur in a production meeting.
0: I mean, cool. (laughs) What do you want, man? BG James. Like BG's lame. Am I right?
1: Got him. And there was there was no actual news story about this in December, but I felt it was (laughs) worth mentioning. (laughs) What's wrong with I
0: literally almost died because I read the Bruce
1: news. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Bruce is done with TNA. He, he has no more matches in the history of TNA. He claims TNA didn't want to use him anymore after he got injured, got his face smashed by a, a bot split-leg moonsault by Sonny Siaki while wrestling in Finland. I'm devastated. I had no clue. So, like, we built that entire thing last month about him turning in multiple senses and abandoning the Bruce character and being Alan Funk, never seen again. Holy
0: shit. I can't believe I actually almost died because of that. <laughs> yeah, you really reacted viscerally to that news. <laughs> I, like, choked on my own tongue. I was gasping so <laughs> abruptly.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, Bruce, done, gone, forever.
0: That's disappointing. Uh, let's do a little Bruce retrospective here. Mm-hmm. Uh Despite the problematic and terrible segments at times... Yes. As a worker, I thought Bruce was one of the most enjoyable parts of these shows. Uh, I I was legitimately a big fan of all the stuff with Bruce and um well not all the stuff but the in in ring work of Bruce was great and yeah like I was saying before Rainbow Express was weirdly like one of the best tag teams in the company history for a while there so yeah I'm bummed to see uh, to see old Bruce go but at least maybe this will tone down the homophobia.
1: There was zero homophobia I believe on all of these shows which is quite refreshing.
0: Yeah, so it's a nice change of pace, I guess. Oh, no, you know what it was? They traded away the homophobia for a lot more assaulting women.
1: (laughs) Yes, in many different ways. Mm. Um, I also believe that's the end of Lenny Lane and TNA.
0: After that big comeback.
1: Yeah, he did his big comeback, he he got the gay character back, and then they fired him.
0: (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, uh, good workers, but I'm not going to... Be missing the segments themselves. I'm, I'm pretty sure. You just did like
1: two minutes on how you loved Bruce so much.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love Bruce. I just meant like I'm, I'm good with not having B.G. James
1: call people slurs <laughs> anymore. Well, to be fair, he might still do that, just not directed <laughs> toward Bruce or Lenny Lane. Oh, <laughs> uh. uh, dear. So that is uh, more or less all the big notes. Uh, again, not really big notes. A bunch of small notes this month. Nothing really. No big news story coming out of TNA in December. Even a cash. Yeah, keeping it nice and normal. Again, It's as I said, it's kind of refreshing to have a month that's just like they mostly just did some restless shows this month. Calm before the storm. The James storm.
0: Sorry about your damn luck.
1: The Johnny storm.
0: The uh, uh, Hungry Jack storm and ice cream that you can buy in Australia.
1: The Divine storm. Oh, fuck. The Quiet storm. Huh? <laughs> well, yeah, I'll allow it. <laughs> Yay. <Yeah. laughs> Which brings us to these shows, uh, NWATNA pay per views number 24 through 26 on December 4th, 11th, and 18th. Uh, we'll start with broad topics, of which there is only one, really. <laughs> but listen. Eh, eh,
0: eh, eh.
1: We had in the month of Tuesday, December the birth of sex, sports entertainment extreme.
0: Hey, you want to talk about broad <laughs> subjects?
1: <laughs> I see what you did there, Leon, because he abuses eh, he eh, 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 women eh, in this eh, show. Eh, 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 eh.
0: Alright, well, obviously the biggest part of the Vince Russo stuff of this month was we
1: finally got the debut of Athena. (laughs) Yes, after all of the signs, after all of the build, after Liam being like, Who the hell's Athena? Who the fuck is Athena? I'm still not entirely sure. (laughs) We did finally get the debut of Athena where she was standing ringside and then Vince Russo called her into the ring and then started demeaning her and started asking her to show her tits. Um, It just harassed her immediately. And
0: it was like, this person that was like so over, it was like, we're not even going to try to do anything meaningful
1: with her. (laughs) We're just going to use her as a prop. We're going to get heat off her brother. Yeah. To be fair, she does then bring the Road Warriors to TNA. <laughs> yeah, Road Warrior Athena. What they really didn't know is Athena's is clearly very well connected, and it's like, you gonna mess with me? I'm gonna bring the Road Warriors to beat up your nerds.
0: Mm. And you know what? That rules. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know if the Road Warriors are even gonna show up ever again. So.
1: <laughs> it's a very fun thing if you go watch our, our watch along of that show. Liam's reaction to the Road Warriors just randomly showing up during a tag team match is is quite good.
0: Maybe I'll put it together with the reaction in the video and post it to the Twitter.
1: Because, like, the the match is just this random AMW against Harris Bros against New Church uh, three-way tag. And they're just doing their match, working away. Then Athena runs out to confront the Harris Brothers for a segment we'll talk about in a second. And then just the Road Warriors show up. It's just the Road Warriors. And they kick ass. They do a Doomsday device. Hawk does a giant splash off the top. They cut a promo about how Vince Russo is shit. And that's it. (laughs) It's the Road Warriors. What more do you want? Sounds like a perfect Wednesday to me. The the asylum is not known as a particularly interested crowd at the best of times. I don't, like, people don't get pops for their entrance in this company, you know?
0: Yeah, no. Well, also, can you blame them? They they see the same people every week doing the same shit, so.
1: Indeed, but when the Road Warriors came out, that crowd went nuts.
0: Yeah, that was, um, felt like a big, big moment. But again, I'm pretty sure I'm never going to see them again, so.
1: Well, you'll be wrong about that. You'll see them in January. (gasps) Spoilers. (sighs) Then you'll never see them again. (laughs) No, you'll you'll see Animal again, but not Hawk. Just kind of sad to think about, but still. So yeah, we had the debut of Sex, so on the December 4th show... I'm so excited. The December 4th, 2002 show opened with the debut of Rowdy Roddy Piper. And some guy! Bart Sawyer, I looked this up, because he's not addressed. Roddy Piper just randomly tells him, like, the future of the business. So that's Bart Sawyer, he's like a local indie guy who had to retire in 2004 because he had a stroke. But... Oh. There you go.
0: Well, shout out Bart Sawyer.
1: So even though Roddy Piper called him the future of the business, it went nowhere. So this promo. <sighs> oh, it's a bit rough. <laughs> listen, that, that's the way this work, company works. Roddy Piper's like, you're the best. And then he's never seen it. I think he does one match in 04. So like two years later, they're like, uh, yeah, we'll bring that guy Roddy Piper called good back. Okay. I
0: was going to say, but um, well, to be fair, Mike Tine does the same thing like the next week. Mm. And I'm like. I don't think they have a business, Mike.
1: (laughs) So Roddy Piper comes to the ring. Roddy Piper's here as part of his book tour. He's written a new book, so he's promoting his book. So he's cutting a promo about how Vince Russo has killed wrestling and how he's there defending traditional wrestling and how Vince Russo's inventing sports entertainment. And he's killed the business. And then things take a turn. As Roddy Piper decides to mention that Vince Russo's style of wrestling is what killed Owen Hart. Woof. And the crowd goes very quiet. The crowd is very confused. The crowd is like very enthusiastic otherwise about like he's Roddy Piper, a legitimate pro wrestling legend, like a legitimate A-tier star right here in the NWATNA. Then Roddy Piper says that line about Owen Hart and people are kind of confused and uh, a, a little kind of in shock that he would say something like that. And I do kind of get what he was going for, that like, that brand of entertainment that led to the the Blue Blazer character that led to the Blue Blazer entrance, instead of letting Owen be a wrestler, like, I I see what his point is there, but... That sports
0: entertainment ideals Mm. in a roundabout way may have informed decisions that led to the untimely death of Owen Hart.
1: Yeah, and... I don't think there's any way you can make that point without it seeming in poor taste, especially while cutting a promo on a pro wrestling show. And like that, I think that is the thing. Like if Roddy Piper, because I think he talked about wrestler debts in his book, he had a shirt on his back about wrestler debts. Like, a big thing he was talking about is that too many wrestlers are taken before their time, which is a perfectly entirely fair point to make. That Thankfully, I think we live in a wrestling world where fewer and fewer young wrestlers are taken before their time, and that's very good that the wrestling industry has, has moved on from all the wrestlers dying in their 30s and 40s in very tragic fashion. But there is no way you can link that to the dumb sports entertainment extreme story without it seeming extremely distasteful.
0: And it's just, like, I don't know, what does it really add to any of this, too? Because in the context of doing this sort of promo in a ring as a part of a show, it kind of demeans the things you're saying. Like, if this is something you talk about in your book, I can understand, like, where you're coming from. You have a very valid point to be making, but to bring this kind of stuff into the ring to pursue a storyline and to, especially a storyline that's just with Vince Russo's group, which is called sex. Mm-hmm. It just feels like, I don't know, a little um tasteful, a little unwarranted and obviously something that didn't go down well with the crowd there because this obviously didn't garner much of a reaction. It was more confusion. And even like uh, Piper started getting booed. Yeah. When um, he was bringing it up too. So it's like, clearly the, the crowd wasn't into this at all. And it leaves me... I don't know how people backstage could have seen this segment. Seen the reaction or lack thereof that it received. And gone, yeah, we need to do this weekly with more people. They need to come out here and do shoot interviews about Vince Russo. Because it died a death. Didn't do well. Didn't uh, bring the storyline forward in any meaningful way. There was really nothing that came from this. So it's... Uh, yeah, I just I don't see how this is the... The idea of, like, this is how we're going to get the Vince Russo stuff over. Because, like, I get doing the Vince Russo stuff from a a storyline perspective because, you know, as an on-screen thing it works and obviously the crowd's somewhat into that. But bringing back um, these shoot segments, it just feels like an unnecessary addition which is going to muddy the waters of a very simple story and also make it a little too real at times. And then not kind of the reaction that you want.
1: Yeah, and, like, they mentioned after the show that, like, obviously this wasn't a scripted line, we didn't tell him to go out there and mention Owen Hart, and, like, by all accounts, Russo coming out to confront him, like, was, quote-unquote, a shoot. As much as a shoot you can get in this worked shoot company that like Vince Russo. I'm doing
0: a bunch of air quotations right now. hmm
1: I did quite enjoy the moment where Roddy Piper refused to give him the microphone and refused to allow him to speak. Good, good stuff. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah. When you send people out there without like guidelines on what to say, without like here's the story you we're trying to tell, just say you don't like Vince Russo. Go out there and tell us why. This is the kind of stuff you get. And this is not the first time TNA has had to disavow a comment or something that has happened on the show. We had last month the BG James Geisler. We had, like, two months before that the Harris Brothers t-shirt. And, like, each time, I like I, I would believe that they did not send, like, Ron Harris out there with that t-shirt. They did not send BG James out there to say the gay slur, but they did send BG James out there to treat a gay man as a heel he should beat up. And they did send Roddy Piper out here to cut a promo on Vince Russo about how he really feels. And this is what happens. Like, you just get things that shouldn't happen and have no place on a wrestling show if you give up that much control. And, like... You're just running a sloppy shop at that stage,
0: and also clearly there's there's no ability to learn from any of this being shown because the same things just keep happening over and over again. It's like it's one thing if something bad happens and then you you take it on board, adapt to it, and move on from it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like that's a whole different thing. To just keep making the same mistakes over and over again is fucking stupid. I was gonna do the whole uh, Far Cry 3 Insanity bit, and then I was like, no, it's fucking... and a really dated reference now. It's just dumb. It's fucking stupid. And you should be able to learn from these things. And maybe that's just, you know, a bit of... (laughs) But The the thing is, though, it's like, am I completely 100% sold that any of this was actually a shoot? Mm. It's like, I don't know. This company is real confusing with that, and... (laughs) Could I believe that they all talked about it beforehand and said, yeah, let's go make these points? Yes, I could 100% believe that. Could I even believe that they knew about the shirt and didn't give a fuck? I can believe that too. Because of what this company has established itself as being so far. It's a company that's all about lying to both the workers and the fans and to the people online and to the dirt sheets. So why would I trust anything they do? Why would I give them the benefit of the doubt on anything they do?
1: Because even Piper's appearance was a surprise. Like, by all accounts, you see, the, the sh- that show opens with Mike and Don West just doing their standard intro and then Piper's music hits. By all accounts, Mike didn't know. Like, in the format of that show, uh, uh, the segment was listed as something like, you know, uh, uh, unlisted surprise or something like that. That, like, surprise was coming. So, like, they knew something was in that segment that they, they didn't know who. And then Piper just walked out. So, like, why are you working your announcers? <laughs> Why are you working anyone involved in the show? Every single person, like, involved in this show, except for, like, a, a small group of people, didn't know Piper was there. And what does that serve? It's like, oh, it's a big surprise, but you're also, you didn't sell any pay-per-views. Good job.
0: Yeah, and again, I think there's a whole added thing about pay-per-view versus TV and the value of doing surprises. It's like, I get doing it on TV, but you're trying to get people to pay for this shit weekly. I think that the, that's the problem, too, is they don't treat these, like, weekly pay-per-views, they treat them like television. hmm And even to the point where fucking Russo in one of his promos called it TV. Yep. It's like, well, then you can you immediately tell, like, that's the the mindset they're going in when booking these shows, is that they're, they're treating these like television.
1: I did like a fun note that Piper was in Nashville on that particular day because he was dropping off his tour bus after he was on a book tour, the tour bus which belonged to Billy Ray Cyrus. huh of Miley Cyrus's father and Achy bricky Heartframe.
0: Everyone knows who Billy Ray Cyrus is, thank you.
1: Yes, he's the father of Hannah Montana.
0: Of course, that's where I knew him from. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would love to be there for a, a Roddy Piper-Billy Ray Cyrus conversation.
1: Pulls the bus up to Billy Ray Cyrus' house. It's like, oh, here's a drop off the keys, Billy.
0: <laughs> yeah, and they just just talk. Oh, how was the book tour? <laughs> it was good. Gonna go do this TNA thing tonight.
1: Oh, here's my, like, 12-year-old daughter, Miley. <laughs>
0: Oh, hello. (laughs) You're going to become, like, the biggest star in the world for a solid three-year period. That's crazy.
1: Yeah, because Piper knows. He can pick those kind of stars.
0: Oh, Piper knows a star.
1: Mm. Yeah, like, I think the biggest issue with all these shoot promos is, like, Piper doesn't come back for a while. Like, this isn't his only TNA appearance, he makes a few more. But, like, this was a one-shot, he's in and out. So you do this thing where he cuts this promo on Russo, and, like, even if people are interested in this idea of Roddy Piper and Vince Russo going face-to-face,
0: Piper's not here next week. See, that's the problem, too, when I was talking about before, is none of this is here to actually serve a story. Mm. It's just to get over the Russo perspective, which I feel like you don't need to do. I think you're complicating a ass story
1: and then it makes even less sense to do it as a surprise if he's not going to be back because it'd be one thing to be like oh Roddy Piper big surprise debut but then he's going to be there next week so you can see Roddy Piper every week so then you tune in but no it's like you didn't advertise him for his one appearance so no one bought the show and then he's not on the show after that so no one bought the show
0: Maybe they were hoping that uh, people were going to think he was going to show up as a, a surprise again.
1: And like, I, I do think that was legitimately a selling point they tried to go for, that like, you never know who's going to show up on these shows, which I think is actually one of the more fun elements of the shows. But I think they would have sold more pay-per-views if they said, hey guys, Roddy Piper's going to be here.
0: Especially, yeah, the time, for sure.
1: Uh, so later on that show, Vince Russo comes out, because Roddy Piper did not let him do his rebuttal, so like, there, there's a match and then Russo, Russo comes out the segment after that.
0: That's the classic uh, NWA TNA Russo structure.
1: Yeah, they do it multiple times this month, where it's like, Russo opening promo match, Russo second promo.
0: Two matches, Russo back again, Russo backstage
1: segment. Russo doing something in main event. That really is the structure Russo of the show. chops down logo. So yeah, later in the show, he comes out and he starts cutting his his promo about how how dare Roddy Piper invoke the name of Owen Hart to beat him with as a, with a stick. And... Then he creates formally Sports Entertainment Extreme, or sex, if you will.
0: Hell yeah, (laughs) baby. Or as he says, Sports Entertainment Extreme. Spell it out.
1: Yeah, he doesn't even say the word sex. But I I did find online a Sports Entertainment Extreme t-shirt during the week, which I have since (gasps) bought. Fuck you! I was the one who wanted to buy a Sports Entertainment Extreme t-shirt. Listen, you gotta get there quick. Ah, bastard now the proud owner of a sex shirt I'm gonna bootleg it we should make our own just steal the t-shirt yeah.
0: why not everyone does it now
1: this is the segment where Russo calls Athena into the ring and he starts demeaning her and says you're only tits and ass and not even and he starts mocking the size of her breasts and saying all she could should do to get attention in this industry is show off her boobs and yeah that's your your healthy dose of misogyny for the month
0: mm This is the weakest sex show so far. Mm. Sex was much more prevalent and much stronger in the last two shows of the month.
1: Some weak-ass sex going on here on December 4th.
0: Listen, and as a sex addict, I'm I'm just, I'm going to keep note of when the sex is good and when the sex is bad. Get ready for eight shows
1: of this. (laughs) Listen, that's, again, not our fault.
0: I I mean, it's right there. You can't not do it.
1: So, yeah, uh, Russo cuts his promo. uh, The the thing, like, Russo clearly thinks he's the coolest guy on Earth here. Which I think makes it all the worse.
0: I think, you know, comparatively, he might be. He might just be the biggest, like, he's like a dirtbag uncle. Mm-hmm. Who, like, when you're eight and don't understand ethics, you're like, oh, man, this guy's cool as hell. He drinks beer and drives cars.
1: Yeah, and, like, there isn't a ton of really good promos on these shows. And, like, say what you will about the content of what he says, the delivery is also always quite good.
0: Yeah. That's <sighs> the problem, too. It's like, sometimes he'll have, like, these one-liners and you'll be like, ooh, all right, that was that was pretty good. Mm. And then you're like, damn it,
1: no, don't praise him. And I think that's, like, the most frustrating thing about this entire angle, that, like, there's a version of this story that is probably really good and works really well. If they can, like, rein it in, if they're not doing all the work shoot stuff, if Russo is just this invading force trying to introduce this sleaze and debauchery to wrestling, and you get the likes of Piper and the likes of the Road Warriors standing up to him being like, no, that's not what wrestling is. But then so much of it is just like, all right, we're going to demean Athena and we're going to talk about Owen Hart and we're going to talk about what happened in WCW and we're going to talk about what happened in the WWF and all these behind-the-scenes antics. And that's where they just lose the thread. It's like, now it's just not a story anymore, even if the core idea of the story actually isn't that bad.
0: Yeah, that's what I was talking about when we were talking about the Piper segment. Mm -hmm. It's just you have a very simple, effective story there and you're muddling it up with a lot of stuff that doesn't matter.
1: And, like, the, the strangest part is during this Russo problem where he's introducing sex, he talks, <laughs> again, listen, we are going to be saying the words... When he's initiating sex. He is, in fact, initiating sex. We are going to use the word sex so casually in sentences that it's just going to... It's become, just a bit of
0: casual sex.
1: It's seems to be kind of become second nature. So, like, he's cutting Listen, the, you never want to come second when sex... God damn it so he's cutting this promo and he's constantly mentioning the old man in the ivory tower and the old man backstage who doesn't want you to see this and that and the old man and again like we've never seen Jerry on this show in fact there's a note in the P- in the Wrestling Observer that like Russo Mike Taney, and all these people are actively told never to say Jerry Jarrett's name like what's even the point of them cutting all these promos if we can't even say the words Jerry Jarrett
0: Oh, but, like, even in the event that you do, what's the payoff here? Is Russo gonna wrestle Jerry?
1: <laughs> a non-wrestler against a 60-odd-year-old man.
0: You're like, yeah. There's no... That's, I think, what the problem with the whole Russo thing in general is. Is like, I mean, what are you... you're not gonna get, like, some big blow-off with Russo wrestling anyone. Like, it's not gonna be good if that does happen. <laughs> like, it feels like there's a lot of aimless talking. <laughs> and that there's... I don't think... Alright, I'll pose this as a question to you then. Do you think as of December 4, 2002, they have a plan for how this whole thing is going to blow off? No,
1: not even close.
0: That's the problem. If you don't know where you're ending up, you don't know how to fill the space in between. Mm Mm-hmm. Like... You, start, you have a story, you get your broad outlines of the story, you do, here's the hero, here's the thing he goes through, here's the achievement, and then he comes back to the start again, like, that's the whole point of telling a story, you need to have a clear direction of all the major points, including the end for it to actually come across as a story Yeah, with cohesion
1: so, later in the show, we got Jarrett against the Harris brothers in the main event before BG James does a big swerve and he joins sex. He swiveled the hips and joined sex. I cannot believe that we would have a swerve on this wrestling show. Though I guess it makes more sense, like, given he hated Ron on all of these shows, then he comes out and he hits Ron with a chair. So, it, I suppose it's consistent in a way.
0: <laughs> and, you know, there was, there was a, a decent amount of tension heading into it where it's like, oh, you know, I'll... I'll side with Jared, because my dad asked me to. Mm. So it's like, oh, alright. At least, the, see, it's weird. It's like, this isn't a company where you'd expect, like, any levels of, like, nuance to anything, but it's like, oh, of course he wouldn't just, like, accept to be the tag partner. Because, like, the Dead reading thing would have been, like, Jeff walks up to him backstage and says, hey, brother, I know we don't like each other, but we need to team up tonight because uh, Harris brothers, they're bad. And they'd be like, alright, blah, blah, blah. And then he swivel the hips. At least they went to the the extent of having like well why would he why would he team with Jared well if he's dad ass, you know
1: yeah why would he even go out there because mm. yeah the, the show was built around Bob Armstrong asking Jared killings and BG to be like I want you to be my soldiers in this war against sex <laughs> listen we know Bob's not anti-sex look at all his kids so <laughs> yeah he's a hypocrite here <laughs>
0: it, definitely like um the the rival of sex should have been abstinence <laughs> <laughs> and then make some giant acronym.
1: That show then ended, by the way, with Paul Bearer coming out. I guess. <laughs> he has joined. It's very weird that, like, Paul Bearer, who goes by Percy Pringle in DNA, the demonic cult leader man who leads the Undertaker to the ring, is one of the defenders of tradition in the NWA on this DNA show. Yep. Don't think that makes a ton of sense, but listen, he's not around very long, so I guess we'll go with it.
0: Hey. If I, if I get, like, one segment of him and James Mitchell talking, it'll all be worth it.
1: Yeah. It's weird. The Harris Bros, when they joined sex, they got this problem about, like, oh, we've been held back. We're not given the opportunities we deserve here. It's like, you lose most of your matches. What are you talking about?
0: Well, that's the whole uh, the point that we didn't even really get into with the whole Vince uh, Russo stuff. It's like, every single one of these promos, too, they're like, WWF this, WCW that. WWF this, WCW, WWF, WCW, WWF, WCW, and also this show sucks. <laughs> so it's like, not only are we only going to talk about a company that doesn't exist, a company that's way out of our league, and then we're also going to say at every opportunity how bad the show is that you pay to see weekly. Not even a show you get for free weekly, a show you have to pay to watch weekly.
1: Feels like a recipe for success.
0: It feels like a recipe for fucking something.
1: So, uh, what happened on the next show (laughs) with sex?
0: Uh, Tony Mameluke defeat Jason Cross before sex.
1: (laughs) That is a sentence in the show notes. (laughs) So, yeah, the the big thing about this one is that Russo's not there, so, like, BG is the stand-in for Russo, but then it turns out Russo is there when he costs Hennig the the world title man event. Fucking (laughs) swerve. which. is a a fun story because, again, they they did the thing where they worked all of the fans and the audience for no reason whatsoever. So Russo was telling friends he was really mad on the the December 11th show because Jarrett wanted to swerve everybody, so he had Russo sit in the car in the parking lot all night so none of the wrestlers would know (laughs) that he was there and he wasn't allowed out of his car and into the arena until the end of the show.
0: I like how he couldn't even go to like a Waffle House and just eat something and then drive up and walk in
1: (laughs) Jared's like no stay in the car like you can't leave the car somebody might see you outside know that you're here and we'd be lying go
0: hang out with Billy Ray Cyrus for a bit Jesus
1: everybody knows when you're told somebody is not at a wrestling show you know they're actually at the wrestling show Like everybody knows this, but they were like, "Oh, we gotta work not only the fans, but the 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 wrestlers again by pretending Russo isn't here tonight, and they'll all be shocked when he shows up."
0: If this was happening in 2021, you know you 100% know Russo would have faked a COVID thing. <laughs> oh no! And been like, "Oh no, on the show, I got COVID, I can't be." And then he'd be, like, "Ah, I'm here, I never had COVID, doesn't even exist." Ah, <laughs> don't know if he's an anti. COVID guy
1: <laughs> so then the last show of the month there's once again a lot of sex so
0: hell yeah sex up and down the card
1: Kurt Henning comes out to open the show because he's really mad about the fact that sex cost him the the world title match the week <laughs> prior <laughs> <laughs> Elix Skipper Christopher Daniels and Loki return to jo- officially join the sex where then Vince Russo later triple X does a promo talking about how like oh tna didn't want to book around loki's zero one schedule which we know from earlier episodes of the podcast indeed so they're incorporating fact into the story it's almost like it's a worked shoot
0: being as we are so heavily dissecting what's happening in the background of the show little things like that i actually appreciate because i'm like ha i knew that
1: And, like, those are the kind of things that, like... Because wrestling always does work reality in in some ways. Because wrestling is, like, one-third sports, one-third scripted drama, one-third reality TV. It's, like, those three genres mashed together into this weird mismatch of those ideas.
0: I think the problems arise when it's two, you know, two of one thing and then one of another and none
1: of the other thing. Mm, When they lose that balance and it just ends up being too much, like, not wrestling. But... yeah. So, like, there's always an element of reality. So when you include things like, oh, the company's too cheap to fly Daniels in from from LA, because that's an expensive flight, I'm like, I'm okay with that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, all right, that gives, like, a character motivation, as opposed to something that's just like, oh, and Daniels was screwed in WCW,
0: you know? I also think it's interesting to note that um, this is stuff that I think delivers better with 2021 20, eyes looking back than stuff I would have been watching at the time. Mm. I don't know if I'm watching, like, you know, End of 18 pay pay-per-view 26 live, and I'm like, oh, man, that, that's cool. I... <laughs> but like actually, you know, doing it in a structure like this, where we're, we're digging deep into what's happening behind the scenes already, that's the kind of stuff I appreciate. But, like, if I didn't know the stuff, would I like these segments as much? Probably not. But... I think I would still like them more than the wow, wow, WWF, wow, wow, WCW, wow, wow, stuff.
1: Well, speaking of the wow, wow stuff, Jarrett comes out.
0: Wah, 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 wah.
1: It's literally the sleep yeah. song. There you go. So the big tension here is that, well, Russo wants Jarrett to join sex, but Jarrett is reluctant <clears> to join <throat> sex. If you remember the NWA title match, Russo revealed himself to be Mr. Wrestling 3 to cost Killings the title to have Jarrett win the title. Uh, On the December 11th show, Russo once again cost Hennig the title match to help Jarrett retain the title. And even Russo helped Jarrett retain against Killings in the, the title rematch. So Russo has been repeatedly helping Jarrett despite Jarrett's insistence that he doesn't want Russo's help. So here we go again. Jarrett comes out. He cuts a promo. Russo offers him the spot in sex, Jarrett turns it down, hmm. and cuts a promo about how, like, oh, back in WCW, I, Goldberg and Shawn Michaels in WWF wanted to rip your guts out, but I talked them down, and it's all this, like, WCW and WWF insider baseball shite that nobody could possibly care about.
0: And, like, the thing is, like, you could almost forgive it if the crowd was going nuts for any of this, but as soon as the other companies are mentioned, they just don't give
1: a shit mm. anymore. They just completely, like, zone out.
0: Yeah, like if if it, when it's stuff that involves TNA, they're into it. Like it's like oh, sports entertainment, and entertainment in TNA better than this wrestling show. Like people they they pop for that, but like as soon as you start deviating to into the other company stuff beyond just like oh, I'm going to say the words Degeneration X and the crowd goes woo. Like beyond that, you're not getting anything from them either.
1: Yeah, and it's it's so strange. Like, the crowd reactions are so all over the place for everything that happens on these shows. Because if you go back to that Athena segment where he's, like, demeaning Athena, which he's meant to be getting heat for because, like, he's a man being bullying and disrespecting a woman. Like, when he's like, do you want to see your tits? Like, some of the crowd are like, yeah. It's like, oh.
0: <laughs> That's the thing. It's like, well, from the start, you always knew there was going to be that kind of dynamic with the... Uh... The crowd being into the Russo stuff because he goes like, you guys want to see fucking beaten up women? And the crowd goes, fuck yeah, we do.
1: <sighs> and the last major sex segment of the month. <laughs> Loki, Daniels and Skipper defeated Amazing Red and the SATs in the main event of the third show of the month, the December 18th pay-per-view. And honestly, probably one of the best matches in Tina history up to this point.
0: Absolute fucking banger.
1: It's just such a great match where it's like Loki, Daniels, and Skipper are back. Three exceptional wrestlers. Red and the SATs are like the perfect underdogs. And they just do this great match. It has one of the best heat segments I've ever seen in wrestling where they're working over Red.
0: I was going to say, like you, you obviously have all of the X-Division high-flying shenanigans that you'd hope. And you'd have the, crisp, the crispness of your Daniels and Key in there as well. But the thing that's most notable is just a tremendous heat segment on Red where you are living and dying by it. And it helps that, you know, you got Don West climbing on top of the announce table and screaming in support of Red the entire time because you believe that it's legitimate and you believe that this dude is, like, living and dying by Red right now because Red is his favourite restaurant in the whole fucking world. So you have that aspect playing into it too, but, like, just tremendously worked match this.
1: Yeah, that Don West moment where he loses himself in the match as Red is, like, making his comeback and he's just chanting, Go Red, Go! He gets up on the announce table and he just emotionally loses himself in the match is such a wonderful moment that you don't see on commentary. You know you normally do try to be like, commentators are supposed to be the unbiased observers here who are supposed to call the match down the middle, as opposed to Don West who's just like, This guy rules. I love him. This match rules. It's the best thing I've ever seen in my life. I'm just going to go bonkers for it. And he spent, like, the last... 10 minutes of the match standing on the announce table.
0: Well, you know, you know what I think it is? I think bias on a face commentator can be endearing mm-hmm. while bias on a heel commentator is annoying.
1: And the the interesting thing is like they do bias in the heel commentator way more than they do bias in the face commentator because it's cheap. Mm. It's easy to do. To have cuz to do it with
0: a face commentator or announcer, you need to have goodwill with the audience they need to be liked already they need to be charming so that the so that the the crowd doesn't turn on them for being obviously biased there's a whole lot more factors in doing it and it only works for certain people it works for Don West it works for Mike Taney. it works for Tony Schiavone like you need to be exceptional talents in that kind of way for it to play off otherwise it comes off as like disingenuous or even makes the the face announcers look bad because they're taking sides the problem, like, and the reason it's so abused with heel, guys, it's just you can have any dickhead out there say, oh, I don't like this guy. Hmm. Like, and then it's, it, it, there's nothing at risk there, there's nothing at play there, it's all surface-level bullshit. With a face, you have to kind of dig in and add some layers beyond that, and you have to work for it a little bit, which I think is why it also comes across much better when it does work.
1: Yeah, if the entire sex angle was just matches like this... Matches like Loki, Daniels, and Skipper against Red and the SATs. Like, giving a framework, an emotional investment into matches featuring very good wrestlers. Thumbs up. Sadly, wasn't always matches like this. As illustrated by the person who debuted after this match, the big new member of Sports Entertainment Extreme, David Flair. <laughs> I mean, just hilarious, right? <laughs> yeah, David Flair comes out because Hennig comes out at the end of the show to try and beat up sex again. But then... David Flair, son of Rick, makes his TNA debut, gets handed in the figure four, sits there for like 2 minutes. It actually quite I I popped me cuz there's a ton of people like around him brawling and fighting and all that and he's just still sitting there in his figure four for 2 minutes. And then
0: Jared beats him up and puts it in puts him him in it, which is great. Mm. I don't know. I'm not going to shit on David
1: Flair being brought in for this. I think it's funny. It is, but like the problem is it becomes a lot more about wrestlers like David Flair than it becomes wrestlers about wrestlers like Loki. And mm. if it stayed being about wrestlers like Loki, it probably would have been a much better angle than David Flair and some of the people who will follow David Flair in the months to come.
0: So David Flair is a Russo guy, I assume?
1: Well, I'd imagine so. He's in sex.
0: I mean, sure. But anyone can be invited to sex. That's not like a restrictive policy. <laughs>
1: That's true, too. Look at the group of people they already have.
0: Yeah, very open in sex, you know.
1: Open relationships up here at sports entertainment extreme.
0: Well, as we see with every man's
1: desire. Indeed. We'll talk about that when we get to the X Division. So, the the last show of the month ends with the, the symbolism of Vince Russo on Sports Entertainment Extreme destroying the asylum. They cut up the banners on the guardrails. They attack the ring aprons. And most famously and most notably, Vince Russo gets an axe and starts chopping down the TNA sign.
0: I really thought it was going to fall on him.
1: <laughs> I hoped it would have been so funny if it fell on him.
0: I was so... I really wanted it to fall on him. I thought that would be so fucking funny. Or even if it just bombed him on the head.
1: Yeah, him as a heel should have been like, oh, let it fall on me and then I'll do a little pratfall. Yeah, but him as a coward... <laughs> Yeah, he's like, I gotta be a cool guy on TV all the time. Yeah. See,
0: honestly, I think a lot of this, like, sex stuff would be more tolerable if Russo was willing to fall on his ass a little bit more, Mm. and not just be cool, serious shooter guy all the time. Like, if he was just, oh, you know, I get beat up and I look like a dope, I feel like it would deliver a lot more.
1: Yep. So, that's that's all the sex stuff for the month that ends with... The very clear symbolism of Russo chopping down TNA with an axe.
0: R.I.P. to the, the OG logo.
1: Sex, the original Nexus. Sexus. Or the original, what was the name of the Mustafa Ali angle? Retribution. There we go, yeah. The original Retribution. Sex.
0: Well, actually, if you want to talk about like the original Nexus, like literally Russo goes, you're either with us or you're against us.
1: Yeah, so th- literally they stole Nexus from Vince Russo.
0: Well, he, he truly is right, a visionary.
1: <laughs> Maybe he was booking NXT at the time and no one knew.
0: No, that was uh, Ed Ferrara, obviously. Oh, of course. Maybe uh, Russo would do NXT 2.0. He does have that rumored WWE job.
1: <laughs> he did, well, it's not rumored. It's him saying that he's doing some kind of collaboration with WWE. And... Yeah, I choose to believe it, though, because it's funny. It's really funny. Vince Russo is not a reliable narrator for what Vince Russo had for breakfast, never mind anything else. Yeah, hopefully he's booking NXT, because it would be funny. (laughs) It'd be
0: so fucking funny.
1: So that takes us, we've done a whole hour on Vince Russo. I mean, we're gonna do many more, so... Yep, so we'll go to other things that happen in the month of December. We mentioned it basically, but there was a bunch of surprise debuts in the entire month of December. You had Roddy Piper, you had the Road Warriors, you had Percy Pringle, and you had David Flair all show up throughout the month. And Athena. And of course, yes, the official debut of Athena
0: and Jason Cross
1: yeah and you had like returns of David Young
0: <laughs> who actually kind of had a good month so I'm not even gonna shit on David Young coming back Well,
1: yeah, he had one match he was in that Holland match where he did some cool spine busters and stuff because David Young's a pretty good wrestler I was gonna say did he do a tag as well but I think that was the January show I watched hey how dare you skip ahead
0: <laughs> yeah unlike you who has
1: zero knowledge about TNA <laughs> ahead of this
0: <laughs> this month
1: I'm context free obviously I know nothing that happens after this
0: uh, you know, I had a whole uh, point to make, and I realised it was about the January <laughs> show, so I was like, shit. So, uh, if you want some big uh, Tony Mameluke theme rele- revelations, wait till January's episode. That's a
1: big hook for two weeks away when we talk about January
0: 2003.
1: Yeah. But yeah, like, again, the, I, it becomes a defining feature of TNA during this period, that every week has some kind of surprise, some kind of person that you don't expect to show up. And I I do like that. It's the...
0: The AEW at Daily's Place factor. Mm, so you never know what's gonna just happen. Random people would roll up,
1: even after Daily's Place. You might just get a hoovy match. Who knows? Oh no, that was a Daily's Place My- too. Actually, <laughs>
0: <laughs> damn it! <laughs> so, told you, Daily's Place. It's, it's the only. It's the place to be, Daily.
1: So yeah, you had all those people showing up. They're mostly stars, so that helps.
0: And also, and David Flair, Rod yes, Piper. David Flair's oh. there too. <laughs> yes, but I am, I and I, I like. I literally have. Like, some zero reference for David Flair, so... I'm I'm coming into this David Flair stuff with an open mind.
1: You are giving him the benefit of the doubt. This is your first real exposure to the wonderful talent that is David Flair.
0: 100%.
1: As we move over to the X Division, it was a big Amazing Red month. He beat AJ Styles in a singles match, a really good singles match. I prefer the other one, but this is still a really good singles match.
0: I like the other one way more.
1: Yeah, the other one was... Because uh, this one was more AJ just beating down on Red for the vast majority of the match, and then Red made, like, a two-minute comeback at the end and won... Which I still think worked pretty well for what they were going for in terms of like Red winning a match against AJ and kind of being elevated somewhat. But yeah, the, the first match is better. Though the finish of this match is better because they go up top and Red hits a super Frankensteiner where AJ does like a full 450 splash rotation and lands on his face. And it's incredible.
0: It's a great sell from it.
1: AJ, very good wrestler. Who'd have thunk that this AJ Styles kid has got it?
0: Speaking of AJ Styles...
1: It's yeah the interesting though that's basically AJ's last match in the X division ever. He never goes back. No, never, ever, ever. Because yeah, the the week before he did a double elimination match, it was Easy Money against AJ against uh, Hoel Maximo against Kid Cash, which is I I didn't even think it was a particularly good match, but it's mostly interesting for the fact that they tried to elevate Hoel Maximo of all people, who had like the miracle run in that match. Yeah. Because the story was that Styles beat up Red before the match to take him out, because Red actually had a, a bone spurs in his ankle, I think it was, something like that. Oof. So he couldn't compete.
0: This is a big SAT month, and I'm including Red in that as well.
1: Yeah, it's a big SAT period, because as we mentioned, like they've been all over these shows for like two or three months now, which is quite nice to see, and quite sad that this is basically the end of it.
0: <laughs> well, see, that's what I was saying in the watch-along. I was like, you know... Forgive me for saying, at this point, the SAT feel like staples of the NWA TNA. So, you know, with my 2021 knowledge base, to know that they don't become staples of the company was very... It's surprising to me, but I guess we'll see how that unfolds. And I guess this kind of goes to a a broader uh, overall point that I was going to save for later on, but might as well do it now because it kind of works. You'd think that the X Division stuff would be like Russo's wet dream wrestling-wise because it's dynamic, it's fast, it doesn't... Uh, lend itself to traditional expectations, it's out there but it it really just seems like Russo just hates everything in the ring, like you think that like, uh, hey you know these guys going out there doing their flips and going 100 miles an hour uh, bucking tradition in the face would be his whole jam when it comes to wrestling but it seems like not even
1: that tickles his fancy. No, he just doesn't like wrestling, (laughs) I think that's just what it comes down to he just doesn't like wrestling. Because I think he's one of the kind of guys who's like, oh, look at these small personalityless geeks. Because that's the issue. Like, these are good wrestlers. They're not Vince Russo's idea of what a wrestling personality should look like. And that's the reason he hates them all.
0: That sucks.
1: Yeah, so uh, Red has a good month, especially with that main event on the last show of the month, as you mentioned, where he has, like, uh, the, probably the defining performance of his TNA career so far. And as you mentioned, AJ, like, he's done with the X Division. He's moving into the heavyweight division now.
0: Yeah, um feels like i mean i don't know my my watching of this it feels early but you know i'm sure it'll work out well for him i i think mean, this guy's gonna have a bad career when it all wraps up so
1: but the, his elevation to heavyweight was very awkwardly done in that it wasn't done.
0: It was just he showed up one week beating up Jeff and was like, all right.
1: Even the way they did that, it's like Jarrett beats Hennig to retain the title and then Styles runs out at the very end of the show for like the last like 10 seconds, lays some shots in on Jarrett and they're like, we're out of time, we gotta go and the show goes off the air.
0: Well, I think the idea there was that it was like, oh, is AJ joining sex? Tune into next week to find out if he joined sex.
1: But even that, like that tease is completely null and void because they have to go off the air literally as he gets out to the ring. <laughs> mm. And they do the same thing the next week, week where Jar- Styles runs out, attacks Jarrett again, and people are like, oh, has he joined sex or is he just attacking Jarrett? And that is a question we will have for weeks to come because <laughs> yeah, they they blew off the whether or not Jarrett was joining sex. So they immediately have to start up, will AJ join sex? God, Who will join sex? So much sex going around on these shows. Too much. Yeah, we haven't even had the Sports Entertainment Extreme entrance, or this theme song yet, because they do the they do the entrance where they come out the side and go over the guardrail, but they come out to no music at the moment.
0: Yes, and I have no idea what it sounds like.
1: Have you never heard the sex theme?
0: Uh, I had never heard the sex theme.
1: <laughs> well, you can listen to that in January.
0: I hope it's uh, the Sean Morley theme.
1: Oh, God. Don't you mention Sean Morley on this podcast. One day, huh? Until 2010, when we have to mention Sean Morley on this podcast. <laughs>
0: God, I, we're going to have to review that match one day. Uh,
1: it's, it's not like we haven't already talked about Sean Morley.
0: Yeah, but we didn't have to watch him. That's true. <laughs> uh,
1: but you can hear us talk about Sean Morley's debut at patreon.com slash kiddingme or tnachat.com where you can hear our review of the January 4th, 2010 Impact on uh, its of Monday War Games. So there you go.
0: Wow. It, our
1: best series we've ever done. Except this one and any others you listen to and like.
0: Nah, I think the other one's better. You should go pay for it and find (laughs) out if it is.
1: We had a big X Division debut, as you mentioned, Jason Cross. A bizarre debut where he faced Tony Mamaluke on the December 11th show. Had a good little match. He hit his crossfire legs drop. It looked like a million bucks because it's like the coolest move in the world. It's a shooting star leg drop. What more do you want in wrestling than a dude doing a shooting star leg drop? Exploding
0: all of his lower spine every time. The
1: thing was, he hit the move, he hurt his leg, and then Tony Mamaluke tapped him out immediately.
0: (laughs) Which, to be fair, like, I didn't hate as a finish, it's just a weird choice when you're going to make this guy the number one contender the next week. Yeah,
1: it's a very strange that, like, on that show he does lose to Tony Mamaluke. then they go the next week into a gauntlet match with uh, Sharkboy, Jimmy Rave, Tony Mameluke, Kid Cash, Ace steal, both Maximals, David Young and Amazing Red, where you have Jason Cross win that gauntlet. I think he goes the distance in the gauntlet, doesn't he? I believe so. And then he, he wins the gauntlet by completely missing his crossfire leg drop. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it looked real bad.
1: As opposed to like Poor guy. the first one looked fantastic. It looked everything you'd want that move to look like, and then he missed the second one. So yeah, very strange choice to have him lose and then win.
0: There's a really fun moment in the Mamluk match where Tanaka says something along the lines of, uh, "We've been seeing Cross on uh, explosion recently, and it's been he's been showing up. So if you can get it, I guess to go look for it is basically the summary of what he says. If you've uh, saved it on your on your VHS tapes." <laughs>
1: Someone in, like, with an attic full of explosion tapes somewhere. Please <laughs> send it to us. And then the other big thing coming out of the Exhibition this month is, of course, Sonny Siaki wins the Exhibition Championship.
0: Not the best <laughs> Exhibition Champion ever, eh?
1: Uh, like, Siaki is a man who is charismatic, and he looks like a million bucks.
0: And I don't blame anyone for trying.
1: Yeah, he's the guy who you look at, and hear his promos, and you look at, and you look at, and then you're like, yeah, we'll push him. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, we'll give him a shot. He just doesn't work particularly interestingly. I don't think he's awful, he's just not very compelling. Yeah, unless he's working with people who are dramatically smaller than him, and he can throw them around like they're nothing. Then he just becomes like your standard like headlock heel. So yeah, he defeats Jerry Lynn on the December eleventh show to become Exhibition Champion after you mentioned Desire makes her debut, or as she's currently called Everyman's Desire.
0: Or as she will be called
1: Miss Sex. <laughs> Well, Vince Russo does state that he will get everyone in sex laid twice a day, so...
0: Yeah, he... Like, this dude's a pimp. That's his character, right? Like He
1: promises this.
0: He, like... like Contractually. <laughs> it will happen.
1: So, yeah, Siaki wins the belt and he defends the belt the following week against Easy Money and Jerry Lynn in a three-way before then joining sex. You know, straight from the three-way. Hmm. At least Siaki makes... <laughs> God... <laughs> My brain didn't process that joke. I was just like, oh move on." It's like, "Oh, <laughs> like
0: that for half my jokes, your process is all right." Moving on. Well, yeah, sometimes it's just like, "Yeah, I'll let
1: Liam have his little joke." It's like, mm, you know, <laughs> let me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll give him his little jokes. I'm a very generous co-host, yeah. so he's a yeah, he's a member of sex. He does fit in with sex at least, sure. And the, the we I guess, when you look at the weird smorgasbord that is sex. I guess everybody fits in into text.
0: Well, we don't kink shame.
1: We certainly do not. Tag Division had a little bit of a light month this month, didn't it?
0: Yeah, there was some New Church and AMW stuff. Then there was uh, the Road Warriors, obviously. Uh, there was like a weird little Divine Storm push that was happening with Trinity landing on our own partners every time. Yep. And, um... And, we're you know, wrapping it up all nicely. I think it's, there was one something that we did talk about that I think is, you know, interesting enough and does incorporate uh, AMW was we got, like, the... Wait, I realise I'm talking about January again. Ignore me. <laughs> I seriously... I, I can't watch the next month because it's just going to be whatever's stuck in my head. Yes,
1: please don't do that from now on. <laughs>
0: yeah I know I, I clearly can't handle the responsibility <laughs> no. of of even watching 20 minutes of the next time because it will be all
1: I want to talk about you cannot keep the timeline straight in your head
0: anyway you yeah, look forward to the first January show where there's a state of the union address <laughs> uh,
1: um, as you mentioned Divine <laughs> Storm are getting a push they win a bunch of they beat the Maximals and they beat AMW on these shows in two good little matches
0: I like the AMW one a lot actually
1: I think that one is a banger. And, like, not to discredit Divine Storm, who I think are actually quite a good team. That's, again, AMW just in their full baby face, like, swing, kicking ass. Yeah.
0: Divine Storm are kind of like the complete opposite of a Isiyaki, where there's a lot of sizzle there, but not a lot of some substance. And otherwise, there's a lot of substance in Sunny but there's not a lot of sizzle.
1: Yeah, which I guess is why they have decided to put Trinity with them, to kind of spice them up. By all accounts, they're like... Trinity is the star of this team, and that's the reason we're pushing Divine Storm. But we're also looking at putting Trinity with someone we're more interested in pushing.
0: I wonder who that is.
1: Yeah, Trinity clearly the star of the team. As you mentioned, New Church did some stuff as they continued their feud with AMW. On the first show of the month, they did this thing where Chris Harris wrestled Brian Lee and James Storm wrestled Slash. Both Harris and Storm won to earn a bull rope match with James Mitchell. Uh, as we like to call it,
0: guaranteed EW booking.
1: Hey, how dare you suggest that all my bills to tag team feuds are just singles matches between the tag teams.
0: (laughs) Is this where it comes from?
1: I've never done a bull rope match. As a result, I'll have you know.
0: They haven't been trying hard enough, clearly.
1: So the big thing for that, is that segment is that James Mitchell excuses himself from the match because uh, his doctor, Dr. Kevorkian, which is a good bit, Dr. Death himself, has excused him from uh, participating in this match due to medical reasons. So Belladonna takes his place in the little schmoz where Mitchell does get involved but then doesn't get involved again and AMW eventually beat Belladonna.
0: See, I really thought this was cool in theory. And then the babyfaces just beat up the woman. Yeah, two-on-one. <laughs> like, oh.
1: These lovable men just attack this woman two-on-one while they have her tied to a bull rope.
0: Yeah, I actually thought, like, I was like, you know, it's cool, you know, he's the devil and he's sending out, like, a, a de- like, basically a defenseless woman to go fight these two jacked up <laughs> fucking cowboy motherfuckers. And then it's just like, they just did it. And I was they like, did. oh, okay, just make- that just makes me sad. <laughs> they just attacked this woman because they could they just like crushed it it was bad Uh, yeah and that's what and i was like oh
1: yep and end of the month as i mentioned amw beat the harris bros in the new church after the road warriors interfered so yeah after i think we had a very good november for the tag division because we had like that's when the the amw new church feud was in like full swing and here sex has sadly overruled the tag team division (laughs)
0: sex rules all Mm.
1: so shall we go show by show that's all the broad topics i have
0: Yeah, I think that's really it. Uh,
1: If there's anything else you'd like to talk about from the December fourth show, Liam, I I did quite like it. Opened Mm. with this recap of the week before. Well, I didn't like it. It's terrible. (laughs) 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 Or the after they went off the air of the Killings and Jarrett match for the last show of November, they showed Killings and Russo getting stuck into each other. And then they did, like, a 50-50 brawl where, like, Killings takes down Russo and you think, oh, he's going to beat him up. Then Russo turns it over and starts... Yeah, that's the problem, right?
0: That's what I was going... oh, what I was talking about earlier about how, like, Russo needs to show us more. He needs to be, like, a dork. Like, he shouldn't be going 50-50 with Ron Killings. Mm.
1: So, yeah, they, they, he turns over and starts laying down blows on Killings and it's just like, dude, you're, like, the non-wrestling goof here. Why are you going 50-50 with the former NWA champion?
0: Yeah, it's, that's stupid.
1: And that was meant to be Killing's babyface turn, by the way. That moment where he, like, jumped Russo was meant to be his babyface turn, where he gets turned on and then beaten up by <laughs> Vince Russo.
0: Yeah, that's stupid. I mean, like, it just it makes no sense for him ever to lose a fight to Vince Russo within the canon of this universe.
1: Mm, after the Roddy Piper promo, Don West, they cut the commentary with Don and Mike, and Don is just like, you know, Mike, I have absolutely no idea what they were talking about. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, me too, man.
1: Don is most of the audience.
0: Danton is the representation of the crowd there.
1: Who's mm. just like, I-, I don't know, man. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Russo continues his run of threatening people on these shows as well, where he threatens JB on this show. He flips
0: him off in an act of defiance.
1: Indeed, for the perfect meme that you posted to the, 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 the podcast Twitter.
0: The best part about it is it doesn't even look like his face. <laughs> like, it's... It's a real weird photo of JB.
1: But again, it's the second month in a row we're covering that Vince Russo's like, I'm gonna kick your ass if you do something and I'm like, again, I'll take my chances.
0: <laughs> well kicks Ron Killings ass, so.
1: Mm. Oh, the death sentence on Belladonna, by the way, in that two on one match, like he uh, Harris basically came down and like kicked her in the side of the head. It looked like it killed mm. her. Yeah. And also I'm pretty sure like that. NWATNA pay-per-view number 24 on December 4th is so far the worst pay-per-view we covered.
0: It's the worst one by far. It was awful. It was boring. Nothing happened. And then you got like the really cool segment of the guys we like beating up women. <laughs> yeah. It's a bad, bad show. It's
1: not great. Not great at all. You have any other notes?
0: Nah, not sure. I I, I washed it out of my
1: brain. <laughs> NWATNA pay-per-view number 25... Uh, I think my favorite thing on this show, during the Divine Storm and AMW match, Don West starts talking on commentary about how, you know, AMW are used to having somebody at ringside because they're used to dealing with Belladonna with the new church. Ah. So they'll be perfectly prepared for dealing with Trinity with Divine Storm. And then Mike Taney's like, oh, that's a good point. And then Don, sheepishly, <laughs> yeah, I stole it off your notes. <laughs> they, have, they have a nice little <laughs> chuckle together, and it's very charming. <laughs>
0: I see. Like, and when Mike Ty said that was a really good point, it was it was him
1: saying like, "Oh, that was a really good point." Yeah, sarcastically, knowing he just yoinked it off Mike today's notes. But it's so I like yeah. that they have a very good natured chuckle about it, and it's really really <laughs> charming.
0: Yeah. Um. I guess my only real thing from this show is I'm very concerned that Jorge's going to leave any month now.
1: Oh yeah, Jorge is very sad. He's he's literally they're doing a promo about he, how he lost his smile because apparently Bruce has stolen Priscilla and never come back. Hmm. So poor Jorge. Poor George. Yeah, He's he's all by himself. The Elvises have all left him behind and abandoned him.
0: But, yeah, I'm legitimately very worried about Jorge's future in this company.
1: <laughs> I just think every time I see him, it's going to be the last time. Oh, we didn't even mention in the tag division stuff, where technically the Harris Bros won the tag titles for a brief moment.
0: Yeah, we didn't talk about that.
1: But we don't need to, because they reversed the decision. Which is very weird that, like, Percy Pringle is the dude who's, like, reversing the decision. And, like, the coolest thing about that segment is it's, like, James Mitchell and and... Paul Bearer in the same segment, which is quite cool.
0: Yeah, that's just like it's a fun little nerd thing. Mm,
1: Just have those two like demonic cult characters in the same segment, but then it doesn't really go anywhere.
0: Well, they don't really interact either. Like they're just both in the same vicinity of each other.
1: Mm. We had Ron Killings and B.G. James in a chair and chain match. Banger. Now, if you're wondering what a chair and chain match is, you've seen a chain match before, where the two wrestlers are are tied at either end of the chain, And, and TNA are like, "What if?" In the middle of the chain, <laughs> what are you typing? <laughs> Liam's adding frowny faces to the show notes. But TNA are like, if we took the chain, and if in the middle of the chain we tied a chair to it, that would really change the dynamic of the match.
0: You know what's dumb? Mm. I kind of like it. <laughs> I do, yeah.
1: I actually think it was their better match, because they had a match the next week as well in a false count yeah. anywhere. And the chair and chain oh, match that was match better. Stunk.
0: Yeah, I, I like this. <laughs>
1: you should do more chair and chain matches.
0: Yeah, I want someone else to do it. Like that's that's an NXT match right there. Oh yeah, big bloated epic with them like both reaching over the the chairs oh, no. like undone and 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 has a logo with like their face on it and they're both climbing it, putting their hands on it, and then they both put their hands in the middle at the same time and they grasp each other's wrists.
1: Wrist control is very important in a chair and chain match.
0: And then Rainmaker because Okada's <laughs> yeah. there. Uh... Rainmaker onto the chair in the chair and chain match.
1: Uh, Rudy or Rudy uh, BG is conflicted about uh, everything that's going on with his dad because he does hit
0: who's Rudy?
1: <laughs> uh, Rudy Charles I, I did have a note about Rudy Charles in the last match where he there was a, a there was a ref bump <laughs> in the last match where Rudy Charles was taken out and like he goes and starts counting a pinfall at one stage and then just stops, rolls over and pretends to be hurt again because I'm pretty sure he <laughs> realized that like, wait a minute I'm not supposed to be counting this pin oh no I'm hurt again Good stuff. But yes, back to BG BG hit Bob with the chair and is quite sad about the fact that he hit Bob with the chair He is conflicted
0: <laughs> It's hilarious that not even Russo's own stable
1: can be free of inner turmoil Because <laughs> yeah, the next week Russo's like I want to see no conflict in this stable You're in or you're out They said no sympathy He wants no simpy I was going to make the Steiner joke, so well done <laughs> That's why I'm here, the TNA fan There was a Jeff Jarrett sit-down interview on this show where yeah. <laughs> he decides to address the Sean Waltman stuff, because as we mentioned, they desperately want to get Waltman back in so they can do this shoot stuff with Waltman as well.
0: Oh, this will bring him back.
1: So yeah, they decide, how do we get him back? We're going to have Jared come in, and we're going to have Jared just call him a coward and a bitch for running away from Vince Russo.
0: <laughs> he should come back in and then, like shoot on Russo in the ring. He does kicks for reals.
1: Yeah, if he does his karate kicks and just nails him in the face, that would be very good stuff. Kurt Hennig's title matches... Kurt Hennig's matches in general...
0: I, I can't... I don't remember a single thing about any of them.
1: They feel like... You know, you get wrestling matches that go long, that go 30 minutes, and, like, the first 10 minutes they do nothing, and then they start building up. Mm. All of Hennig's matches are that first 10 minutes where they do nothing, except then the match just ends. <laughs> so it's like the, the the feeling out period, the exchanging holds, and then they just do a finish. And you're like, what?
0: If you're one of these guys that are like the first 10 minutes of the New Japan main event is actually the best part of Mm. it. You'll love this fucking Hennig 2002,
1: Kurt Hennig will be your favourite damn wrestler. Yeah. You'll be like, why couldn't they get him in New Japan? He'd teach them how to work. I I hear Waltman's friends at the office, maybe. He should have gotten him into 2002 New Japan so he could work with Yuji Nagata, which actually, honestly, is a match I'd probably watch. And you've heard there's a good chance Yuji Nagata against Kurt Hennig happened in WCW, so I should look into that. Yeah, maybe it just
0: exists that's
1: a match that definitely maybe happened worldwide at some stage
0: the aew rampage of its time
1: i actually mentioned that on the wcw 97 uh review i did yesterday so we're perfectly in sync mm.
0: and you know i would never listen to that so
1: i would respect you less if you did listen to it <laughs> <laughs> if you keep up with my content
0: yeah no way
1: uh jose um which brings us to the last show of the month which i think we already covered basically everything on so i think we're done
0: yeah we did it's called our watch along
1: <laughs> yes indeed if you would like to hear every single thought that came into our brains while watching nwtna pay number 26 you can watch, uh, listen to our watch along at patreon.com slash kidding me or as i mentioned com. of course
0: yeah the, we literally i think touched everything i mean yeah the world tour yeah i think basically fucking everything yeah
1: Yeah, there is one small note from Jerry's book, which, by the way, this is the last time we'll be mentioning Jerry's book, because Jerry's book ends in 2002. His diary book ends in December 2002. No! So we'll have no more Jerry's book notes, unfortunately, but uh, one of his notes that Russo's promos went long, so he had to cut three uh, videotape segments, so... damn. There was a bunch of other stuff on the show that you didn't see, because Vince Russo kept on talking.
0: The TNA story.
1: Indeed. So, that's 2002, Liam. What a year... It's an interesting year where you see TNA's identity shift a couple of times where like mm. it starts as this kind of like weird WCW retreat and then it becomes kind of like kind of a traditional wrestling company that also still has Vince Russo elements and now as, as the year goes on as the months go by we see it increasingly become like the Vince Russo style wrestling company that we all know and don't necessarily love.
0: I speak for yourself. I'm a sex addict, for sure. Yeah,
1: so it's, it's weird to see this company work itself out. It's weird to see, like, the biggest problem they had, and they always had, is they, from the very beginning, did not have an identity for what they, they wanted this thing to look like. And, like, they, in fact, had two conflicting visions of what they wanted this thing to look like, and those two things always clashed, and then they turned the cl- that clash into the main story on the show, which I think, almost, honestly, was their plan all along. So maybe it's uh, actually high art, and we should commend it. But For the most part, like this year, like they do work out who their stars are. Like they're like, all right, AMW tag team, Styles X division, those are our guys. And obviously Jarrett's the heavyweight guy. Like killings comes comes good. A lot of the people who show up in the early days filter out. Like if you look at the number of people who aren't on these shows anymore, like Buff Bagwell or Ken Shamrock or Bruce or Apollo or all the people who were like Hall, yeah, Hall or Monty Brown. All the people who were like fixtures through the early days, even this is a fully Brian Lawler this month.
0: Disgraceful. Hence why it's the worst one.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because he's selling his quitting angle, so he's not here for the entire month. I was kind of worried he wasn't coming back, so... You will get more Brian Lawler, don't you worry. Thank you christ so yeah it's 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 weird to see the roster like shake itself out and they're settling down onto the people they actually want to focus on but even then as we mentioned like some maximals who are very heavily featured especially in the later half of 2002 slowly just like just get phased out 2002 tna it's a strange identity list year (laughs) where they're throwing everything they possibly can at the wall seeing desperately what might perhaps stick realizing i think none of it is sticking.
0: I think that's the funnest thing about this uh, year is that each month felt like they were trying a different aspect of the show out to see what would be the best uh, point of action. Like, November was the weird, like, X-Division showcase month. The week before that was, like, traditional wrestling show. The week before that it was, like, more uh, extreme, like, Vince Russo kind of segment. So it's like, it really felt like every month had its own identity, which was an interesting development. But now I'm interested in seeing how the more settled style of Vince Russo permeates throughout 2000.
1: Actually, yeah, when you look at what they didn't do, it's like there's very little, like, real hardcore stuff in the early days of TNA.
0: Yeah, I guess the closest shed was the Dub
1: Cup. Yeah, which was played for comedy more than it was played for actual, like, violence. And we'll, again, mm-hmm. we'll see a lot more of that in 2003 as more of the old ECW names show up. What? A shock of all shocks. We mentioned Mike Awesome already, so... Uh, it's, it is, you know, it's... Of the three major companies that were there before TNA, you had ECW, WCW, and WWF, this company so far is very much leaning toward what the WWF and WCW did, and very much not what ECW used to do.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to that changing. Mm.
1: So that's the things we can look forward to in two thousand three. We're gonna do a full two thousand two year in review on the Patreon where we'll probably crown some awards like rest of the year, tag team of the year, match of the year, stuff like that. So you can look forward to that over sometime over the next two weeks. We'll get the, we'll bang that one out. Patreon.com slash kidding me. That's December.
0: TNHad.com.
1: Uh, yes, TnHad.com, of course. So that's that's December. a A strange month where it's, like again, as I said, there's a a gravitational pull to the Vince Russo stuff that everything begins to revolve around what he's doing so that everything else kind of feels like background noise, and it's because it is.
0: It feels like a Vince Russo vanity promotion.
1: Mm, Because, yeah, he's clearly designed to be the star of this company this month, which...
0: He's the fucking ace.
1: He really is. That's the reason he's getting the better of Ron Killings in a fight. Yeah. At least you had cool debuts.
0: Yeah, I mean, really. I mean, I, to be fair, I didn't hate most. Of, I, the first episode sucked, but the the other two were pretty good. So. And
1: yeah, you, you clearly liked it so much that you desperately wanted to move on to January, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was pumped up. I was ready to go. We got the good logo, man.
1: All right, we'll be back in two weeks, so Liam can finally talk about January 2002, and, or 2003 <gasps> even. All my t- my Tony Mommalik points. Yeah, all his Tony Mommalik points, all his logo points. He can give you all that in two weeks when we talk about January. If you would like to follow us on Twitter, you can follow us at TNA History Pod. You can follow me at Garrett Kidney. You can follow Liam at TheGleetMuta. Please? Yes, so maybe perhaps you can overtake the podcast account again.
0: If I, I don't even need to overtake it, but if I can just hit 500, I'll be happy.
1: Help Liam hit 500 followers on Twitter so we can have the next episode be a different 500 follower celebration. Yeah, if I don't hit 500, I'm not coming back. <laughs> Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash kiddingme or tnhat.com.
0: Buy me a PlayStation 5. <laughs> so
1: Liam can buy himself a PS5. My WCW 97 retrospective began this week, so the January 20- uh, 1997 episode is up now, so you can hear all my thoughts about January 1997 WCW. We also did an all-out reaction, and then you get your usual slate of content, where the NWA pay per number 26 watch-along is up now, and we'll be doing the January 22nd pay-per-view for... The January watch along. Plus Monday War Games back next week.
0: I like that we're uh we're sprinkling a lot of uh miscellaneous stuff in now. Yeah. Whenever we feel like putting uh, other stuff in, and I like it.
1: You're trying to give people their value for money, trying to give them more than they paid for instead of less.
0: Well you never know what you may uh what you may get. Could be some Gleet takes. Ooh. Could be some AEW takes. Could be What's another company? Uh
1: fuck. WWE.
0: Oh, never. <laughs> NXT 2.0, obviously. When the return of the Wednesday War Games. I can't promise that. <laughs> I don't want to do that.
1: Whatever Liam comes to mind, well, he will he will of course do. He'll do his stardom podcast on, on the Patreon. I mean, maybe. We'll see you in two weeks for the January 2003 episode. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye. Support TNA-chad.com.